February 2020, the Kansas City metro area was surprised when a missing persons report went out for Angela Green. The date she was last seen was June 2019. We all wondered how she was missing for so long with no one filing a report. A couple weeks ago, I talked to her daughter Ellie and I found out why. I'm Charlie and welcome to Crime Lines. Welcome to Crime Lines. This week's case is local to me here in the KC metro area, and it's actually a town I've covered a case from before, Prairie Village, Kansas. It's the same town as Deborah Green and the infamous fire at her house, if you want to go back and listen to that episode. While small towns don't tend to show up twice in one year on my show, This one does only because I live so close. I drive through Prairie Village a couple times a week when I bring my daughter to dance class. So when a story hits the local news from Prairie Village, I'm going to hear about it. I covered this case very briefly on my live stream, which led to a friend of the family's contacting me, which then led to Ellie reaching out and we had the opportunity to talk. Ellie Green is a 19-year-old who's having to deal with something no one of any age is ready for. And through talking to her, I have a lot more information and clarity on the case. Prairie Village is not a town where bad things tend to happen. And that's something that Ellie Green mentioned when I interviewed her. And not just about Prairie Village, but about her life with her mom and dad. They had such a normal, peaceful life that her mother going missing seems like something that would happen to someone else, not to them. And then when you add in everything else that happened, it just is so unexpected. So let's go ahead and back up and get some background on the family. Ellie's mother, Angela Green, was born Xinhua outside of Beijing, her parents were college professors. When I looked up how to pronounce her name, even though I probably still ended up butchering it, a baby name website popped up saying that Shin means beautiful and elegant. And that caught my eye since Angela did some modeling in her native China and she was an aspiring journalist focusing on television news, being a television reporter. Beautiful and elegant definitely fits here. I will be calling her Angela, though, because that is the name she used throughout her adult life here in the U.S., and it's how people know her. Angela met her husband, Jeff Green, while he was on a trip to China. They got married in 1998 and moved to Prairie Village pretty soon after. Their only child, Ellie, was born in 2000. And Angela became what Ellie describes as a tiger mom. The term tiger mom comes from the 2011 memoir called Battle Hymn of the Tiger Mother by Amy Chua, a Yale professor. It describes a type of parenting where the kids are pushed and often pressured to attain high levels of success 
by a mother who is bringing them up in a rather traditional way, in this sense, a traditional Chinese way. It is a very discipline-oriented parenting style. Sometimes it is equated with a cold, unyielding parent, but that is very often not the case, and it certainly was not the case with Angela. Ellie was her everything. To paint this as a relationship lacking in warmth and lacking in love would be completely wrong. Angela took thousands of pictures of Ellie. She attended every single function. She was beyond generous and giving. But on the other hand, Angela did push Ellie. She pushed her academically. She was strict in her upbringing with her. And Ellie was expected to obey her parents. That caused some friction in the family as Ellie became a teenager. Teenagers want more independence. It is developmentally appropriate for them to want it and to have it. But then they are also prone to making mistakes and making poor choices, which are also developmentally appropriate. But for a mom like Angela, who had very high expectations, it wasn't a transition she welcomed. As a stay-at-home mom, Angela would keep track of Ellie's upcoming school assignments and tests, even when she was in high school. So when Ellie would have a test on, let's say, Friday, and she wanted to go out with her friends on Monday, Angela wouldn't allow it, saying that she had to stay home and study. Ellie's father, Jeff, grew up on the East Coast. He grew up here in the U.S. He was the more lenient, mellow parent. But he did work full-time in IT at the Kansas City Courthouse. So most of the daily parenting fell on Angela because she was the one at home. So while this meant Angela and Ellie had the most conflicts, it also meant they were super, super close. One of the hardest things about parenting is that if we do our job right, our kids don't need us anymore. It's the one job out there where you're supposed to make yourself unnecessary. We basically raise them to leave us, which can be difficult for any parent. But for a parent like Angela, who poured herself into raising Ellie and made that her life and her identity, She really struggled after Ellie graduated high school in 2018, top of her class, I'll note, and then Ellie left for college. She didn't go far. She went to the University of Kansas and Lawrence, which is less than 45 minutes away, but she did live out there on campus. And suddenly, Angela was not in charge of Ellie's day-to-day life. And Angela struggled with this change. She was a bit lost. Even to the point she was showing some signs of depression. She was eating less. She was sleeping erratically. Though not a clinical diagnosis, it's often called empty nest syndrome, which is a way to label that period of transition from active parent to having your children living independently. And depression can be part of it. That's not to say Angela was not incredibly proud of Ellie and her independence. 
she just struggled with wanting Ellie to experience life, but also wanting to keep her close. And I promise this journey into Angela's parenting is relevant here. So at the end of Ellie's first year at college, she spent a month in northern Italy through a study abroad program. When she came home in June 2019, Ellie's plan was to live with her parents all summer while she worked at a local children's science museum. But after she got back on June 20th, 2019, Ellie and Angela got into an argument. It seems to have started with Angela wanting Ellie to be more productive over her summer or something like that. But then it just kind of became a general argument. Ellie really doesn't even remember everything the argument was about because it was all fairly insignificant stuff. So she was surprised when Angela told her to leave. Leave as in move out. Of course, the two had had these types of arguments before over whatever Ellie was doing that Angela didn't approve of. But it had never been like this. Angela had never kicked her out, particularly over what Ellie was seeing as very small issues. What Ellie assumed would happen was she would leave and then Angela would get over whatever she was mad about and Ellie would come home probably in the next day or two. So when Ellie left the house crying, she called her boyfriend, Zach, and told him about it. He called his grandparents and they said it was fine if Ellie stayed there for a few nights. The next day, Ellie didn't hear from Angela like she expected, but her dad, Jeff, did text her. He asked if they could meet to talk things over. Ellie had plans right then and told him she just didn't have time. So the following day, Jeff texted her again. In this text, he told her that her mom, Angela, had to be committed to a mental hospital. Ellie was surprised, of course, but her father had actually brought up this possibility before. He had told Ellie that he even called the insurance company to figure out the details, and he looked up what you need to do in order to commit someone. But Ellie never thought that Angela's empty nest syndrome or depression or whatever was going on had really gotten that bad, even with her dad talking about Angela needing inpatient treatment. In the text exchange, Ellie asked how Angela was taken away. Jeff said he had the mental health hospital people meet them in a store parking lot, and it was a struggle to get her to go with them. But he thought it would be better than trying to get her to go from the house, where Angela might be embarrassed about being in her house clothes or because the house was untidy. Since Angela would always look nice when she went out, even just to run to the store, Jeff figured it would be easier on her that way. And this is part of what had Ellie surprised. Jeff had previously talked to her about having Angela admitted 
And now he made these plans with the mental hospital to get her to go, but then didn't tell Ellie that part, didn't give her the heads up. Maybe this is what Jeff wanted to talk about the day before when Ellie was busy, but he had no issue communicating about these things through text. So Ellie would have appreciated or expected at least a text ahead of time. Instead, she got this news out of the blue, and it felt urgent. Her brain immediately went to all the things she needed to get to Angela. What kind of clothes, toiletry, books, magazines, whatever. What did she need in the hospital? Jeff stopped her and said Ellie actually couldn't go see Angela or bring her things until she was more stable. And honestly, that makes sense. So Ellie accepted it. Jeff also sent a text saying not to tell anyone about the situation, even Angela's sister, Catherine, who lived in New York. He wanted to wait until he knew more about Angela's condition. And again, this made sense and seemed reasonable. About three days after her fight with her mom, Ellie went back to the house and Jeff told her that she was welcome to move back home for the summer like planned now that her mother had left. But Ellie said she had what she describes as an eerie feeling about the home and decided she just wasn't comfortable with it. And I think we've heard this before on this show. Someone having this just odd feeling, not really knowing what it is, but just knowing something isn't quite right. Ellie's boyfriend's family had told her she could stay with them for as long as she needed, so at least she had an alternative place to stay. After staying with Zach's grandparents, she moved into his family home in a small town just north of Prairie Village. As the next few weeks passed, Ellie asked Jeff questions about her mom and how she was doing. Jeff didn't really give any more specific information on Angela. Ellie asked what hospital she was at, and Jeff would say something like, down south somewhere, meaning southern Kansas. Every time she asked or pushed for information, Jeff either wouldn't answer or he would give vague answers. So for example, Ellie asked how long he thought Angela would be in the hospital and he answered, until she gets better, rather than giving any information on the treatment plan, which was what Ellie was really asking about. At the time, Ellie had no logical reason to suspect anything weird was going on. She trusted her dad, and she grew up a rule follower. So if Jeff said it wasn't time to tell Angela's family about her being in the hospital, then she would honor that. And Angela, who had perfectionist tendencies, would probably have been embarrassed about it anyway. Mental illness, particularly to the point of needing inpatient treatment, is unfortunately massively stigmatized. 
with the family living in another state and another country. They just didn't need to know. Three weeks after Ellie last saw Angela, Jeff asked Ellie if they could meet to talk about what was going on with her mom, and Ellie said yes. It was late, around 10.45 at night on July 16th, when Jeff showed up at Zach's parents' house. Ellie and Zach had just gotten home from being out with friends, so they were in the driveway when Jeff got out of the car. He told Ellie right in that driveway that Angela had died in the hospital. She had had a stroke. Ellie cried out and fell to her knees. This was more in shock than in grief because her brain wasn't catching up to her. Jeff hugged her, but that was about it. Ellie couldn't even speak. After Jeff left and Ellie was inside with Zach's family, her brain started going a mile a minute. She hadn't asked for any details like when her mom died, where she was, what about the funeral, who was going to call family, who was going to call friends. She didn't know anything. So the next day, Zach's family invited Jeff over to their house so he and Ellie could be together and they could also help Ellie get some information. Jeff accepted the invitation and came over, and he said to start that he was just not ready for a funeral, so they weren't going to plan one just yet. Zach's mother, Sarah, offered to help write the obituary, since that was something she could easily take off his plate. Jeff vaguely accepted the offer, but then never followed up with the information Sarah needed for it. Then Sarah asked if there would be an autopsy, since it struck her as odd that a healthy 51-year-old would have a stroke, and Jeff said no. This was Zach's family's first time meeting Jeff, so they weren't familiar enough to push harder or tell him what to do. And the end result of this meeting was not more answers for Ellie. She was left with the same questions she had from before her mother died, and now all the questions after. Over the next seven months, Things continued like this. Ellie would ask questions and Jeff would ignore her, change the subject, or brush it off. He kept saying he wasn't ready for things like telling Angela's family about her death or holding a funeral. Ellie was not living at home any longer, but she did see her dad and they talked during this time frame. So a major question people have is how did Ellie not know that things weren't adding up? And why didn't she ask more questions? And the answer is she did realize things weren't adding up and she did ask more questions. But she trusted her father had the answers to it all. She had a good relationship with him. She didn't think her father was lying to her because why would he? He just clearly found it too hard to talk about the loss of his wife of 20 years. 
it was easy for her, someone who loved and trusted her dad, to assume his silence was due to grief. But as this time was passing, Ellie was feeling a profound loneliness with her own grief. Friends, coworkers, her boyfriend, his family, they were all there for her. But without any siblings, Jeff was the only other person who would experience her mother's loss as deeply as she did. But he was not willing to participate in this grieving process with her. Every time Ellie tried it, it brought up questions Jeff couldn't or wouldn't answer. And with no funeral or memorial service, Ellie didn't have that moment of saying goodbye or closure either. Jeff told Ellie that he had Angela cremated. Angela had always been clear with her final wishes that she intended for her ashes to be sent back to China. So Ellie asked with some regularity, did you tell the family yet? And Jeff kept saying, no, not yet. This extended family lived in New York and China, and Ellie was not in constant contact with them. So it isn't like she was being asked to keep a huge secret or lie in regular conversations with her family. But it was still bugging her. They had to make those arrangements to send Angela's ashes to China. Plus, the family deserved to know. Surely they were wondering why they hadn't heard from her. And they were wondering this. Angela's sister and niece had, over the months, tried to call her, and she never picked up. At first, they passed it off as Angela just not picking up the phone. Even Ellie told me her mom could be temperamental at times, and if she didn't feel like talking to you, she wasn't going to talk to you. But there was a family wedding coming up that they had to discuss plans for, so it did feel odd that Angela had just stopped talking to them. In February 2020, seven months after being told her mother died, Ellie decided to disobey her father's wishes, and she called her aunt Catherine in New York. They hadn't spoken one-on-one in years, and Ellie could hardly get the words out. When she did, she just said it plainly, Angela had died. Catherine immediately started with the questions you would expect. When are the services? How soon should she come out there? She had to make airline arrangements, that sort of thing. What Catherine didn't realize was that this was not recent news. Ellie told her that her mom had actually died last July. Her father had put her off from telling them. Catherine was, like I'm sure all of you listening to me are, confused and a little suspicious. She asked the questions Ellie had been asking for months, but Ellie had no answers for her because Jeff had given her none. So Catherine suggested Ellie get the death certificate. Ellie thought this was a good idea, so she asked her father for it. Jeff said he had it at home, so she asked if he would text her a picture or a scan of it, and he agreed, but never followed through. Ellie decided not to bother 
asking again. She drove out to Topeka, the state capital, to the State Department of Health and Environment. She had them do a search for the death certificate. The only vital record they could find for Angela in Kansas was the marriage certificate. There was no death certificate, even though Jeff had said that Angela died in a hospital in Kansas. This was the moment, the moment Ellie could not dismiss her own questions any longer. Whatever happened to her mother, her father had lied to her about it, and she needed to figure out what was going on. So Ellie confronted Jeff. She asked first where Angela died, and he repeated Kansas. She told him that she knew that wasn't true because she went to Topeka and they didn't have a record of Angela's death. Jeff then said he'd have to look it up when he got back home, and this was an obvious lie. Jeff couldn't not know where she died since he's the one who arranged for her to go to the hospital she allegedly died in. Ellie asked where Angela's ashes were, and Jeff told her again, they're at home, and he sent her a picture of an urn, but never sent the death certificate or the place where Angela died. Around this same time, the neighbors had started talking about how none of them had seen Angela in a while. One told the local news that they first assumed she went back to China for a long visit, but as the months wore on, it seemed to be far too long. After someone got in touch with Ellie and heard everything that was going on, the police were called. A welfare check was called in on Angela, and a missing persons report was filed on February 18th, 2020. When the police first went to the house and made contact with Jeff, he told them not that Angela had died, but that she was out partying with friends, and would be back later. After seven months of telling Ellie that Angela had a stroke and died, Jeff now made it sound like she was going to be home soon. Ellie told me that this story doesn't make any sense. Angela was a homebody. Her hobbies included cooking and gardening. She rarely went anywhere without Jeff or Ellie, and her friends were mostly neighbors and parents of Ellie's school friends, the same people who also hadn't heard from her in months. She didn't work outside the home, so it's not like Angela had a group of coworkers that Ellie didn't know about. Needless to say, Angela did not come back that night or any other night. Jeff then told Ellie that he lied about Angela dying because he thought it would be easier on her because Angela had actually run off. She ran away with a friend. He doesn't know the friend's name. He doesn't know or remember what car she got into when she left. He just knows that she ran off and left them. Somehow, Jeff thought it was better for Ellie to think that her mother died alone in a hospital than that she was out living a new life somewhere. And that somehow justified the compounding lies he told to cover this up over the months. 
But here's the thing. The story that Angela ran off made even less sense than the last two stories. Even if Angela decided to leave and strike it off on her own with no money and no job, she would have contacted Ellie at some point in the previous several months. Yes, they had an argument, but it wasn't that big of a blow-up that Angela would not have gotten over it. But now with the missing persons report filed, Jeff wasn't just answering Ellie's questions. The Prairie Village police had questions for him too. He then hired a criminal defense attorney. You guys know me, I am pro-lawyering up, and I do not find the act of getting legal counsel in admission of guilt. I know we sometimes hear, and then he hired a lawyer, provided with a little side-eye, but there is none of that coming from me. What I do find suspicious is that Jeff apparently could not provide evidence of Angela being alive. The police did a nationwide search for a death certificate for Angela Green and turned up nothing, so they also couldn't prove that she was dead. On March 11th, two search warrants were executed. One was at the Green family home in Prairie Village, and the second was at a place about 30 minutes from the house in Olathe, where Jeff stored cars he worked on. In the search of the house, they found Angela's purse, passport, driver's license, and cell phone. They were all still there. They also found the urn Jeff had sent a picture of over to Ellie, and it was new and it was empty. What they didn't find was evidence of anything. There were no signs Angela ran off. She left all of her important documents behind, and there is no record she has even attempted to get money from any bank account. And they didn't find any evidence that she traveled anywhere after the date Ellie last saw her. She didn't purchase a plane ticket. She had no online bookings for hotels or bus tickets or anything like that. But there was also no evidence of foul play at the house or the place where the cars were stored. Whatever happened to Angela Green, whether she ran off or not, The eight-month delay from when she was last seen to when the police were alerted erased any signs of it. In June 2020, about a year after anyone had seen Angela, the police had followed up on around 200 leads. They kept Ellie up to date on the investigation, but had to admit they exhausted the avenues they had in front of them. They will continue to review the case regularly and, of course, follow up on any tips that come in, but they need those tips to come in. That's why Ellie decided to break her silence recently and open up about what has been happening. She stayed silent during the active portion of this investigation because she didn't want to screw anything up. And can you even imagine how hard that was. She saw the comments online of people asking, why didn't she ask questions? Why didn't she go to the police sooner? And she still had to stay quiet for the sake of the investigation. But now she can answer everyone and say she did ask questions, lots of them, for several months. 
The reason she didn't go to the police is simply that she believed her dad. He never gave her any reason before now not to trust him. Ellie does have some sporadic contact with her dad. She will text him to see if he heard from her mom, and he always responds no. Ellie knows the likelihood that someone missing for over a year now is out there, alive, isn't high. Whatever speculation you have thought of while listening to this, I guarantee Ellie has run through that scenario in her head a million times. Did her mom have a mental breakdown and actually run off? Did something happen after she left the house that is preventing her from calling Ellie? Did something happen that her dad knows about and is covering up with these stories? What piece of the puzzle is missing that could bring the whole thing into focus? That's what Ellie wants. That last piece that will give her the truth. No more stories about partying, mental hospitals, and mysterious friends. She just wants the truth. And Ellie's hope is that someone out there knows something and can help find her mom. Angela Green is now 52 years old. She is a native of China. She is tall and slender, 5 foot 9 and 115 pounds. She has brown hair and brown eyes. If you have any information at all, call the Prairie Village Police at 913-642-6868 or you can contact the Crime Stoppers Tips Hotline at 816 816- These numbers will be in the show notes. 